You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. We're on week two of our series of prayer and fasting, and uh, I hope you're all, there's prayer walks going on right now. I hope you're, you're part of that. If not, you can go to the Connect booth out there and, or talk to Katie Neal or whatever. Um, we're going to start fasting this week on Thursday. We're going to fast from sunrise to sunset again. Uh, if you want to challenge yourself, go sunset to sunset. That's a little more, uh, maybe a little more adventurous for those of you who are ready for the next step. And so we fasted last year. And after we did our fasting conversation, uh, a young lady who goes to church here, she came up to me and she said, hey, I've got a question about the whole fasting thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she goes, why are we doing that? That's a great question and probably something I should have explained. Uh, Last year, I did a decent job of telling you the what. I did a poor job of telling you the why. And so I want to talk today about why we're going to fast. What's unique about this? Because the truth is, in every religion in the world, uh, there are other religions, by the way, other than Christianity. In every world religion, they fast, most people. I mean, there's, there's a fast associated with almost every world religion. As a matter of fact, you don't need to know God at all to fast. There's lots of people who have no desire to know God, no desire to be a Christian, and they fast for health reasons or whatever. Uh, there's intermediate or intermittent fasting or whatever. There's, there's all sorts of different stuff on fasting, okay? So why do we, in a contemporary New Testament church, why do we think fasting is important? What's distinctly Christian about this act, action for us? Why should we, as people who follow Jesus, fast? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. First thing I want you to know that is this. We aren't fasting because food is bad. Well, as a matter of fact, listen to 1 Timothy 4. This is a pretty, pretty direct statement. And this is Paul writing to his friend Timothy. The Spirit clearly says in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come from hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving because it has been consecrated by the word of God in prayer. Food is not bad. Paul would say food food is not inherently evil. Now I think we can all agree that not all food is probably good. And I think we can all agree that Paul was a big fan of moderation. And what Paul would say is your body is a temple. Abusing food is not healthy. But food in and of itself is not inherently bad. So we're not fasting from something that's bad. I I don't don't think a biblical Christian fast is abstaining from something good. You know, people will say all the time, I'm going to do a fast and I'm going to fast. What's something that's not healthy? I'm going to fast cigarettes. Okay, well, good. Your lungs will appreciate that. I myself am currently on a 17-year cigarette fast. I'm enjoying it. Um, But that's not like a biblical fast. Good, don't smoke. Yeah, I'm for you. But that's something you should probably consider doing anyway. Or maybe you're thinking about fasting from social media. We should all probably occasionally fast from social media just for our own sanity and love of other people. It's healthy to occasionally fast from social media. Uh, but that's not a biblical fast, I don't believe. Or maybe you're going to fast from fried chicken. Good, but fried chicken is not, because of the way it's cooked, it's not really good for you. So a biblical fast is when you actually abstain from something that is good. So the first thing you need to know is this. When you fast, you're not fasting from something that's bad. 
Second thing about a Christian fast is you're not doing it because it's good for you. We're not fasting uh, so that we get healthier. We're not fasting so that we can uh, increase our willpower. We're not fasting so that we can uh, have self-mastery. So if you're making notes, two reasons uh, we're not fasting is because it's bad and because it's good for you. Third interesting thing about the fast is, at one point in the Bible, Jesus told his disciples not to do it. Mark 2, uh, verse 16. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours are not? And Jesus answered, how can the guest of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot so long as I am here. And so Jesus is sitting at a dinner, probably with his disciples, and they're all eating. And they come to him, they're like, hey, John's disciples fast. And, and the Pharisees says, why don't we fast? And Jesus says, because I am with you. So if you're keeping track, the first three things you have learned is this. You're not fasting something that's bad for you. You're not doing it because it's good for you. And Jesus told his disciples not to do it. Are you all understanding now why we're fasting? Okay. So perhaps there's more to the story than this, right? Because Jesus goes on and continues that conversation in Mark 20. And he says, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. And on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. I've always said that. <laughs> Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Okay, so Jesus says, leave that one up there for me right there. There's a time coming when you will fast. And these people had grown up around fasting, okay? Jews had fasted forever. But Jesus says, we're not going to do the same, new, we're not going to do the, this new thing in the old way. So there was an old way of fasting, which was fasting waiting for the Messiah. But Jesus says, no, we're going to do something new. Because you wouldn't put new wine into old wineskins. We're going to do a new thing. We're going to fast in a new way. We're going to take an old tradition, and we're going to do it with new motive, new agenda, and new heart. Because the fact of the matter is, we have the Messiah. You and I, we're not fasting waiting for the Messiah. We're fasting as those who have the Messiah. Because there, there's so many reasons why, why this may be like, a lot of what I'm going to say today, and I know talking about fasting isn't that exciting for you, and I know that um, a lot of what I'm going to say today doesn't make sense if you don't have spiritual ears, but that's okay. If you do have spiritual ears, I believe you'll understand this today. We fast because we are satisfied. We fast because we are full. Because when, when Jesus Christ died on that cross and he ascended into heaven, he didn't take the kingdom of heaven with him. He sent the kingdom of heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit. And so you and I have everything. For those who belong to Christ, we have every single thing we could ever possibly need. We fast because we are full. Amen. Amen. You know when you should push away from the table? When your belly is full, as a matter of fact, sometimes we should probably push away a few minutes before that. But we push away because we're full. We abstain from eating because we are no longer hungry. We are completely satisfied because Christ is in us. So when we fast, we fast because we're full. I love the way Paul said it in Philippians 3. He said, what is more? 
I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ. Paul looked at everything in the world, and the heart of what Paul's saying here is, Christ is sufficient for me. You know how many times we thank God for the gifts in our life? If, if any of you pray at your meal, you're probably thanking God for the food. I think the beauty of the fast is we stop thanking God for the gifts and we just say we're in love with the giver. Sometimes we get so, um, so enamored with the gifts God gives us that we forget how much we just love God. And during a fast, we're reminded that if we had nothing, Christ would still be enough. One of the, one of the things I, I try to challenge myself with and I think about is, uh, guys, it's easy for us to worship together in here. For most of you, it's probably pretty easy um, because we have, you know, we have lights and we have temperature-controlled environment and we got a pretty good band, you know, we got nice people. Some of you are super friendly. And so we've got some really good things, right, that make it really easy to worship in this space, right? What if it was all stripped away? What if you found yourself on an island and you had nothing? What, what, what if you had no band and no lights and no music? What if, ever, what if you lost everything? Could you still worship God? Would Christ alone be sufficient for you in that moment? In the fast, we prepare our hearts for anything. We prepare our hearts for everything to be stripped away. And, all that, and, and if, if all I had was me and you, God, I would still love you. In the fast, we're thankful for the fact that we are complete, that we are full. And so we fast because we need nothing else. That's the first reason why we fast. Now, here's where it gets a little confusing. Reason number one is we fast because we are complete. The second reason we fast is because we are not yet complete. Verse 20, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. So you, you and I have Jesus, but there was a time when Christ was walking the earth in the flesh. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the very beginning of the story, God creates Adam and Eve, and they're walking with God face to face in the cool of the day. What you and I have now is not yet complete. It's weird. We're, we're, we're satisfied and content but we're not yet satisfied. I think Paul explains it in 1 Corinthians 13. He says, many of you have heard this verse. You, you heard it at your wedding. Some of you have been married lots of times, so you heard this verse lots of times. It's 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Love never fails. Y'all ever heard this one? Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part... And we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in the mirror. Then we will see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. Guys, you, you have the spirit of the living God living in you, right? For those of you who have given your life to Christ. And so you're complete and you're satisfied. But is there still a longing in your soul that things aren't yet complete? 
There's a word, it's a Greek word, it's maranatha, and the word means Lord come. And it should be the cry of your heart. And it's one of the reasons we fast. We, we fast, we, we, we cry out maranatha because it is not yet complete. We know Christ and we are with Christ, but there will be a day when we will be face to face with Christ again. We look at this world and we see brokenness and we see death and we see disease and we see sickness and poverty and racism and all these things. And we should go, Maranatha, Lord, come, finish what you started. Christ, come back again. Redeem all of creation. And it is so rare for Christians to actually get down on their knees and say, Christ, come again. Restore this thing. Yet all of creation moans for creation to be restored. We fast because we are full, but we fast because the work is not yet done. Maranatha. God, I know. I know there's more than this. God, I I know what you've done, and I'm so thankful, and and I fast because I'm full, but God, I, I know there's people in this room right now who have not yet given their lives to Jesus Christ. Maranatha. Lord, come. That you would come, that you would be in this room, that you would open the eyes of the sleeper, that the person who doesn't know you would take a step towards you. And I know there's people in this community who have not yet given their lives to Christ. And if at some point your heart doesn't burn for this, then you have a heart condition. The fact that there's still pain in this world, the fact that, guys, we have a team that goes out every Friday night and they serve in the streets. And they, and they find people who most of us will overlook and refuse to make eye contact with, and they bring them humanity. One of the people they love on every week died this last weekend. And I sat in a room Wednesday night and watched a room full of people with their heart broken for the very people we refuse to see. There must be something in us that says, God, there's more. There must be something in you that says, Lord, restore this. Redeem this. Fix this. God, I am so thankful, so thankful that I have the Son, but my heart breaks for those who don't. And if that's not the cry of your heart at some point, then something's wrong. Maranatha. Don't you guys ever just watch the news and look at the world and go, this doesn't feel right. This this doesn't feel settled. You know why it's not settled in you? Because it's not settled yet. But the king is coming back again. The king is coming again. And he tells us to watch and be ready. That when the master returns, his servants would be working. To watch and be prepared. We don't just receive God and say, all right, God, I'm just going to sit here and just be with you alone. We go out. Christ fasted. Does anyone know how long Christ fasted in the desert? Anyone know the story of Matthew chapter 4? How long did Christ fast in the desert? 40 days. When you're fasting this week from sunrise to sunset, you can find someone to complain to, but I probably wouldn't make it the guy who fasted for 40 days. Right? It's like when someone tells me their toe hurts. (laughs) Probably the wrong audience. (laughs) Your toe's still there, though, right? (laughs) Right? Things aren't, aren't done. And Christ goes in the desert, and he fasts for 40 days to prepare himself for ministry. And so we're fasting to prepare ourselves for ministry. We're fasting that Maranatha, that the Lord would come in us, and that we would be able to love the people we don't yet love. 
that we would see the people. Y'all ever been sitting at that stop sign and the person comes up and asks for money and you refuse to even make eye contact? Because by not making eye contact, I'm not forced to humanize them. Maranatha, that God would change my mind, that God would break my heart. Maranatha, that I would care about the pain in this world. Maranatha, that, that something would happen in me, that you would prepare me for ministry. We're not just waiting for Christ to come again. We are the agents that Christ is returning to the world through. He shows up today through you. Now, one day he'll come again. It'll be very clear. He's not coming in as a six-pound, eight-ounce baby Jesus, right? He's coming as the king. Y'all heard the song. Matter of fact, I, the, the feeling in the room, when, say, when Jesus returns on a white horse, he rides. Everyone's like, yeah. And I'm like, do y'all even know what you're saying? Like, do, you, do you believe that? Are you passionate about that? That one day Christ is going to come and redeem all of creation? Or is it more like when Jesus returns on a white horse, he rides? Maybe your fast needs to be Maranatha that Christ would present himself as alive in you. Sometimes I think too many of us have sat in church for so long we've forgotten how glorious God is. We've been vaccinated to the power of the king. I know that's a term everyone in this community likes, so I'm using it on purpose. <laughs> vaccinated. Don't freak out. Maranatha, together we will fast. And as we fast, we will thank God because we are complete. And as we fast, we will thank God for all he has done for us. And as we fast, our hearts will break because it's not yet done. It's not yet complete. Sin still exists. Death still exists. But take heart, my friends. We serve a God who will overcome this world. Maranatha, friends, Christ is dying. Maranatha, he is risen. Maranatha, he's coming back again. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.